Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan, David Haw. Goodell will meet with the media, but here's the difference, David. It's invitation only. Yeah, that's, 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 that's not a news conference. If it's invitation only... And it's Roger Goodell and the mighty NFL. Having the Taylor Swift effect is also a positive. It creates a buzz. It creates uh, a, another group of young fans. We have to fish where the fish are. And we have a lot of consumers that are on those platforms. And Peacock Games showed that. Amazon showed that. That's ultimately good for the consumers, but it's important for us to be on those platforms because that's where consumers are. And obviously, it's Super Bowl week. It's their week. They control the message. They control the agenda. They control everything. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 670 The Score. You guys rock. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Oh, the big game. Everybody gathered in Vegas. Ha. Great stuff. How are you, Mr. David? What do you think? Morning, Molly. Yeah, enjoyed the uh, opening night ceremonies, uh, festivities, kind of nonsense of the media night. But I really did find the, the news conference more enjoyable than I thought. It was more legitimate than I expected. And I think as we talked about it going in, a little cynical, but I thought that he was asked everything that he typically would have been asked and addressed it as best he could. We'll talk about it. But, yeah, I thought that that – for, for the first day of Super Bowl week in Vegas, very interesting. I thought they kind of apparently tr- – I mean, you you know and recognize a ton of guys that were asking questions, and you know they're very good and they're not uh, just there to kind of uh, uh, to help the NFL. I, I really enjoyed that they also kind of got some of the goofiness out of there. You know, there was nobody kind of asking some nonsense that they were forced to or there was no trickery or tomfoolery. I I don't know about you, but I I felt kind of bad about implying going in that the invitation only suggested that maybe they wanted to have a, a softer audience and maybe the the questioning be a little bit more conducive to like a PR event that was staged. It did look bad going in, but Molly, you, you saw the people, what they were trying to do, I think was what you just described, try to eliminate the nonsense, get away, get the people who aren't really serious or legitimate news gatherers and, and separate and make a distinction. And what they did was they let people in who have done the job for a long time, recognize a lot of those names and faces, yep. and they were legitimate journalists asking good questions. 
Yeah, I, you know, the only problem with it, I would say, top to bottom, the only thing is Roger is so adept at not answering anything well, well, and well, dodging everything. Well, you, you can't change everything. Well, you know? <laughs> I mean, if he were a little more forthcoming, it would well, be wait, a good news. Well, well, what, do you, what do you think he gets $63 million a year for? You're right. You're right. You know, for, he, for responses, not answers, apparently. We have to fish where the fish are. I love that. <laughs> That, that, that was kind of funny. And I, I think that he works for the owners. And everybody is reminded of that when he talks as long as he did yesterday. But you're right. He has become, I don't even know if I want to say skilled, but he certainly is savvy enough to know how to talk without saying much. It's, uh, it, it was pretty funny. It made me feel like the Bears are, you know, you're going to wind up in Arlington Heights. Don't worry about it. Or, or excuse me, Arlington, as he says. Arlington. Does he think that the Bears are the Cowboys? Does he really? <laughs> it's Arlington Heights, but it is understandable <laughs> because you've got Dallas, you've got Chicago, you've right. got stadiums. But it was a good question by our guy, Jarrett Payton. Looking forward to talking to him at 9 o'clock about his festivities and mm. time in Vegas. And, and Roger Goodell gave the – Almost, it does seem like prepared answer to right. the question he knew was coming. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was fine. I, I, I felt like he gave prepared answers to every question that he knew was coming, and I, I don't mean that the that the uh, it was a loaded news conference or anything like that. I just think that they knew what would be asked. They understood um, all of the Vegas sort of uh, strangeness. If you will, the idea, this crazy dichotomy of of spending uh, all your time trying to keep uh, Vegas out of your league, and now here you are in Vegas, and you're at the big party, and you've given them a Super Bowl. Eh? You want to talk about a stamp of approval, and we know about the underbelly of Vegas. You're, you're known as Vegas Hall for a reason. Well, yeah, that. Well, I think those are two separate things. But <laughs> yes, I know the, the Vegas Hall this week is uh, would rather probably be in Vegas, to be honest with you. Um, I thought that was the most interesting part of the news conference for me. There, there were two things, Molly, that I think that came out of there, and we'll talk about some of the other things. But number one was when he was asked specifically about the lack of minority representation mm -hmm. in the NFL media newsroom, which was still the case a year prior. Right. That was that was a problem when Jim Trotter asked him the question, and Jim Trotter now has a lawsuit filed against the league. And, and I think that for as prepared and polished as Roger Goodell was on every other issue, in every other facet, I can't believe that the optics were allowed to be what they were going into this year because that is – I don't want to say easier to change or address, but it should have been a higher priority. So I think that was number one, one of the things we talk about, uh, maybe right. the, uh, a, a significant issue that was addressed during a news conference we didn't expect to get serious. But secondly, the presence of the NFL in Vegas and how that re represents an inherent contradiction right. because you've got a league that has been so tough against gambling now celebrating the biggest stage the biggest game in Sin City. So I think that's also, and he addressed that, I thought, in a way that I found interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard it before, though, is all yeah. I'm saying. But, yeah, yeah I got it. Um, there, it the, the weirdest part of it was probably the multiple Taylor Swift questions. And there are all sorts of weird 
things going on around her and how political it's gotten and the attacks that that she's had to endure from uh, the far right, and somehow politics are are seeping into it. Let's take a listen to this. Having the Taylor Swift effect is also a positive. Listen, they, they're both Travis and Taylor are wonderful young people. They seem very happy. She knows great entertainment, and I think that's why she loves NFL football. But I think it's great to have um, have her a part of it. Uh, obviously, it, it creates a buzz. It creates a Another group of young fans, particularly young women, that um, are interested in saying, why is she going to this game? Why is she interested in this game? Besides Travis, she is a football fan. And I think that's great for us. Well, she, she's going to the game because of Travis. I mean, really. but It's love. It has nothing it, to do with love of the game. It's, it's love. Big Swifty love. But look, listen, it's also, Molly, from a league standpoint. And remember, he works for the owners. This is what the owners like about it, besides just being hopeless romantics, I'm sure. According to MarketWatch, Taylor Swift attending NFL games has increased the NFL's brand value by more than $122 million. And she has increased female viewership 53% between 12 and 17-year-old girls, 34% increase in 35, and a 24% rise in the 18 to 24-year-old. She is good for the game because she she expands the fan base and makes more money. Yeah, but he didn't really acknowledge that. He basically said that the increase in audience is because the games are so good and so close. He wants to keep it on the field, which I understand because – who knows how long Taylor Swift is going to be going to games? Who knows how long uh, Kelsey's going to play? I, I just think that you can't kind of put your flag in that if you're Roger Goodell. But but his answers were absolutely hilarious to me. They, they were hilarious. And I think you're also what you're saying without saying is you don't know how long they're going to be together. Really? Do we really know? what love can do to a young couple. Um, David, there is a wager. There's a Super Bowl wager. I don't think you can do it in America, but if you go to an offshore book, there is a wager you can place on whether or not he's going to drop to a knee and pull out a ring at the Super Bowl. Come I mean, on. I'm not joking. It's like, it's like 22 to 1 or something that he won't. But you could you could make some money if you got some inside info. Well, let's let's explore that because what would be the circumstances? <laughs> because I, I don't I don't think it's impossible. You got thinking. Explore that. That's see, beautiful. Post game. Let's imagine the Chiefs win in Vegas on the field. Confetti's flying. They pass the confetti test yet again. Taylor is there dodging Tony Romo again. There's Mrs. Kelsey. There's Mr. Kelsey. There's Jason with his shirt off, and there's Travis. <laughs> And he's got, he's got, okay, he goes to Jason. He says, do you have the ring? And he says, yeah, because the shirtless Jason Kelsey reaches into his back pocket, gives him the ring, and Travis drops down to a knee and says, Taylor, I love you. Will you marry me? That's a song. That's a video. That's a moment. Boy, I got to tell you. By the way, there is another <laughs> wager. And we'll get into this stuff as the week goes on, and, and it will, uh, there, there will be an amazing crescendo when uh, – when Joe comes on at the end of the week and we go over all the props, here's another prop for you. Who will be the most shown on TV? Will it be Taylor Swift? These are among the people. Like, who is Gigi Haddad? Is she one of the names? I, is she a friend of hers or something? She's in this mix. 
Um, Brittany Mahomes, uh, I believe the the Kelsey parents, and of course Jason Kelsey. Like, who's going to be the most cut to most TV shots that will go that way? Isn't Gigi Haddad? Isn't she with Bradley Cooper? Isn't she? Aren't is, they is an item? Right? I don't I think know. So. I, maybe I got the I name so. wrong. Okay. I don't know who the hell. So, it was. so you're asking who is going to be shown more often? Yeah, when you cut away, away. exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know who's the favorite? Who? Brittany Mahomes. I, I think so because what they've got to do is they can't overdo the Swifty angle because everyone's going to be watching to see, and you know, everyone's going to have their somebody from the New York Times is going to be assigned to watch the Super Bowl with a stopwatch. <laughs> and if there's Taylor, boom. Okay, there's go. 4.7 seconds. And then they'll be conscious of that. But Brittany you know, Mahomes is safe. She's the wife of the most you know, valuable player in that game. And certainly, I think she will be the one that, if I were betting on such a thing, I would bet on Brittany Mahomes. The New York Times, now that you bring it up, has been heavily criticized because they wrote a story, wait for it, about Travis Kelsey's haircut. And this has apparently brought us to a new low point in culture. People were writing in and complaining to the New York Times. Oh, come on. They would waste time with such a thing. Maybe the implication, and I haven't read the story, is that he was going to clean himself up so he could drop to one knee. And... I, well, well, maybe he will clean himself up, and he still, I think he could propose. That's still, that's you still in play. You do believe that? You don't know. You, 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 look, not, listen. not at the Super Bowl. I, I, I mean, don't know. On the fan cam well, or something? In a the, guy who like quotes in the third the, inning? A guy who quotes the Beastie Boys, do you really trust oh. his judgment? <laughs> I mean, he's capable of anything. Let's be honest here. But the haircut—I don't have a big problem with his haircut. He keeps it tight. I mean, he's clean cut. He's got the beard could use a little trim. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I, we just heard from Roger Goodell, and I again, you know, maybe this is just me. I don't know if anyone heard this, but it feels like this sound wasn't good. That it was a little distorted audio. Maybe that's our problem here. Uh, but I've, I noticed that yesterday. I was kind of like. Shouldn't they have a, like a better setup in an interview with the with the commissioner? Like he sounded like a little overmodulated. Did he really? I, I didn't notice bit. that necessarily. Well, maybe I, I'm I thought wrong. It, maybe I I'm thought wrong. it was an interesting uh, look. They control everything, as we said yesterday, and I thought this year they went to great lengths to make him appear more relaxed and relatable. They were doing the press conference by invitation only in a locker room setting, and it was more. He was he didn't have a tie on. He was very casual. He was on stage with, uh, you know, a CBS uh, sideline reporter. And so it was very much um, a conversation. They wanted to make it more conversational than, a, than an address. And I think that was good. I don't know about the overmodulation. That could be a problem, though. You're in Vegas. Everything's bigger and louder and more in your face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I, and I got to tell you, um, you know, yesterday – as you say, it was a more kind of balanced and there were good questions and there wasn't a lot of nonsense with Goodell. I, I did appreciate that element of it. And and he was asked pretty much every question you'd want him to be asked. And there was even some follow-ups uh, that people had. Um, I thought that the sideshow, the circus that is media day, media night, I thought I thought that was alive and well. I, I thought it was an utter waste of time um, listening to some of the um, 
nonsense that was asked of people in the in the media scrum. It was because, you know, the real work that you have to do if there is any real work to be done at an event like that is not the one that they're showing on the NFL Network with stage questions and kind of stilted responses because yeah. that was what we got. And so yesterday the highlight for me and watching that was not necessarily – you know the the response. I like the eleven year old kid. What, what Jeremiah? Right, he was good. Right. He was he was entertaining, I, and I like the fact that he. Well, they they really leaned into the eleven year old reporter, which says a lot about what you uh, are getting out of the opening night ceremonies. In exactly. Vegas, yes, know? and and honestly, haven't you seen that every bloody year? Every I mean, year, it's just a different named kid asking the same. It, it just. To me, the, the, the only thing I learned uh, from all the stuff from last night, and I haven't obviously gone over all the transcripts, but Patrick Mahomes is a villain? Did you know that he was a villain? I, I was stunned to learn that. He's the most likable villain in NFL history He's because I think he wants to lean into that. I think he wants to be that guy because you got to find an edge when you're trying to win back-to-back Super Bowls. But him in the villain's role, I, I don't really buy it. I don't know what he does. How would you describe anything in his life that is villainous? No, I, I don't see it. You know, Too much of a family man. I mean, the only thing... In his life, you know, maybe his brother and his dad that are a little uh, troublesome. But no, I, he's not a villain. It, it is the crowd booing him. First of all, the crowd, it seemed like San Francisco drove yeah. to Vegas, right? Yeah, and right, that right, was right. And I've made that drive from San Francisco to Vegas. That is a very easy drive. Um, it's, it, it's the idea that they booed him when he comes in. I guess that led to this villain thing. And he, he's like, oh, I'm happy to be the villain. Like, what are you talking about? That guy is about as heroic as, as, you, as you got. Look well, how he played all playoffs, for God's sake. The only thing that made me think in terms of how it relates to the game, if it relates at, at all, is that if Patrick Mahomes goes in with the same kind of edge that he took to the postseason going on the road, remember? Patrick oh. Mahomes has never won a game on the road. Now, if he's taking that approach and getting booed on media night, yeah. the, if his focus is as sharp as it's going to be, this is why you don't bet against greatness. This is why you yeah. marvel at a guy in his the Jordan-esque phase of his career. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's just anything but a villain. But I, I guess when you, um, when you get booed and you want that role, go ahead and grab yeah. it. And, and, you know, the, the real story of yesterday, I mean, the rest of it, was all kind of window dressing and, you know, fairly nonsensical. I mean, it wasn't like you were sitting there talking about uh, what one team does versus the other. It was just more personality-driven, as it is, early in the week. And you're trying to get everyone's life story and all that stuff. But I thought that the, the this and this is an old traditional story at Super Bowls, but by virtue of being the home team, the uh, – the Kansas City Chiefs are practicing at the home of the of the city the, of the Raiders. They are uh, is it in Henderson, Nevada, which yes. is right mm-hmm. near there. Right there, and they are in this facility, which you, you ought to look it up online. It's state of the art, and they got everything you can imagine to to help with 
you know, whatever you're doing, there's fields everywhere. You got all sorts of like recovery stuff that's built into the training facility so everybody can feel better after every game they play during the regular season. It's a huge, it's a huge plus to have all that stuff. And meanwhile, the uh, the fine uh, Niners are peeved and at UNLV. They're at the college. They're they're complaining about seams on the field, and they're going kind of a little off on the whole thing. I I have heard this and talked to people myself as a pool reporter that were very unhappy with the practice facility they have been given. It is not something that doesn't happen on a regular basis. But when you hear this idea that a team believes they're at a competitive disadvantage, I am convinced that that's the case because they have said it out loud. They have said it out loud. They've given themselves a built-in excuse. Yes. I'm surprised at how willing they were to do that because somebody, uh, by the time they – arrived in Vegas and, and looked at the facility and right. had John Lynch went out early to scout it. But by the time they got to media night, they at least Kyle Shanahan sounded like he was going to try to put it behind them. I, I think that this is a terrible way to start the week for the 49ers yes. to, to start whining about seams in a practice facility. Now, obviously, you don't want to take anybody's health for granted. And obviously, nobody's diminishing how important it could be. But is this the way you really want to start the week is by looking at, you know, looking at the practice facility, complaining to the point where it becomes an issue? I don't know. I, I think that was probably something that was perhaps overstated. And, and I'm glad it's Kyle Shanahan took the tack he took last night. Well, you know, by all accounts, and, and Goodell answered a question about it, um, uh, that whether or not they could both practice at the same facility. That was one of the suggestions that, you know, the Chiefs, get to go in whenever they want, do their thing, and then when they leave, you know, you want uh, – the Niners want to be able to go in there too. And they kind of just rejected that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just rejected the idea. And as you say, they had toured the facility, which I guess it is called um, – I was just reading this a second ago. It's called the Fertita Football Complex at UNLV. I'll have a plate of Fertitas, yeah, please. Exactly. With a... It's a good breakfast. <laughs> it's a good breakfast. Breakfast for Tito. With, with, a, with a Bloody Mary, please. <laughs> you know, definitely. It's Vegas. Yeah. It's Vegas. It, you definitely it, need When in Vegas, definitely. Yeah. How does it get to this point, though, where the practice facility is in question? Everything else about this week, down to the last most minute detail of every party planned 18 months ago, how does it get to the point where the 49ers arrive, they go out to the practice field, they look down at their feet and say, oh, wait, look at that seam. We're done. We're right. out. I know. It, I- it's just a – but it's the kind of stuff. It's just the kind of hidden little thing, nonsense thing that, again, if you're saying they got it better than us, we're in trouble. Like, now you're in trouble. Now you're, you're in trouble. You're, you're beating yourself mentally by worrying about nonsense. So, so let's recap day one. Patrick Mahomes, booed, gets an edge, views yeah. himself as a villain, advantage Chiefs. 49ers come in, practice, walk through, whine about the practice facility, disadvantage. I think the Chiefs won day one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue that. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's, uh, there's a lot going on. And I think when you, when you look at where 
this game is at. It's a it's a bad start for the Niners. I mean, can they recover? They should never have brought it up. But it is definitely something to keep an eye on, which is, you know, how how badly done to you feel when you're really supposed to be building up for the big moment where you're winning a Super Bowl. And by the way, the 11-year-old reporter, Jeremiah, do we know if he recommended or what he thinks about the Bears should do with the number one overall pick? Has he been asked because everyone else has? Well, George Kittle is the, course, is the yeah. man with the yeah. answers. He's the Bears fan in the bunch, and that was funny. And we'll, we'll get you that audio. We'll have some laughs about it. I love George Kittle. I just wish he had been drafted by the Bears and played his career here because uh, he seems like a, a lot of fun and a wild man and all the rest of it. So, and very good, Oh, he's a great way. player. Very, yeah, very, yeah. very that, good. That's yeah. the only reason. <laughs> yeah. The guy's a great player, no question about that. Some of the best tight ends in football in this game. I don't know how healthy he is, right? Isn't there? Isn't he holding an injury? Or It'll be interesting when we he's get to He's got a toe, but I don't I think know. there's anything that's going to get in the way. Well, I think he'll play. Yeah, but like like in the championship game, you know, they didn't go to him very much because right. of that toe, and and so he seemed to have mostly a sort of uh, a decoy role. If I can get away with saying that, just he he wasn't the most productive guy. They didn't throw the ball his way because probably they knew he was uh, struggling a little bit. We're going to have to get into this Bobby Witt Jr. extension. Yes. By the Royals, because uh, I believe there were only three teams in baseball that never gave out a million-dollar contract or a well, hundred million-dollar contract. The, the, this one's two hundred and eighty-eight. Yeah, million so, dollars. So, so, you know, so now it's just the White Sox and the Oakland A's. I believe they stand alone, or they stand together. And, and, and Oakland, by the way, they're building them a stadium. So, get the shovels in the ground. But so we but, can they, get but they also left town, Molly. They did leave They also left town. So you're saying (laughs) Jerry needs to go talk to the Nashville mayor is what (laughs) I'm hearing. (laughs) All right. All right. We got to get into all of it. We're going to pick it apart and have a good laugh with it. Uh, The pick six is next. We'll break down all the stories of the day. It's Mully and Haw on the screen. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. What did you make of the 49ers reportedly believing they are at a competitive disadvantage by practicing at UNLV while the technically home team Chiefs get the Raiders' state-of-the-art facility? If the Niners really believe that, is, is it so? Should they be allowed to practice at the Raiders' facility when the Chiefs aren't there? That seems like a reasonable solution, asked and rejected, so no. Um, is it a competitive disadvantage? No, it's probably... I mean, it's football. You're, you're gonna, you've got a stadium. You've got a field. You're going to be able to line up all the work you want to get done. I think that this is, this is kind, the kind of noise that happens every year at a Super Bowl. I remember being um, the poll reporter uh, opening practice in um, Jacksonville, and you had Bill Belichick I think they were playing the Eagles, and they were at this, like, high school stadium. I'm not joking. It was a high school stadium. It wasn't even, like, a a small college. And it was like they were out at York, Dustin. You know, there's, like, a nice field, and there's a fence, and there's the parking lot and the school. And Belichick was really displeased with the state of the field. Felt that it was kind of waterlogged and didn't like what what they had going. I forget the details of it, but he complained bitterly about where they had got, uh, where they were. I don't, I don't remember if uh, Philadelphia was at the, um, the Jags facility, but they, it was this high school that was, you know, you remember that Jacksonville Super Bowl? you're like driving around forever trying to find stuff and you're, you know, Jacksonville, is a big city in terms of yardage. It's just like a lot of land, and it's all the it, largest. It, yes, but it's there's nothing built anywhere. It's just some series of kind of you know Floridian uh, 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 shopping malls, and you know you finally get there, and you're just kind of like, wow, I can't believe that that an NFL team is out here, and they weren't happy about it. And you know what? They were cool as a cucumber. They got their work done, and they won the game. I end up thinking this will be much to do about nothing. Um, Shanahan downplayed it last night, didn't want it to become a theme, but they've obviously complained, or otherwise we wouldn't know about it. Now, I thought I agree with the criticism of Roger Goodell not answering. We can get into the audio specifically later, but this, this question he actually did answer, talking about, 24 experts and this one was independent and this one that but they here's what I don't get they put a sod field over a synthetic field at UNLV this is not UNLV's fault by the way the NFL is in charge of these facilities and they have like a grading scale of facilities and like the average is 70 they're saying the Raiders facility is an 80 while the UNLV facility is a 50 so is it a disadvantage maybe? But in all honesty, they, they practice twice, maybe three times. They, they don't really practice out at the Super Bowl, really, do they? I mean, they, they, they stretch, they go through walkthroughs, they go through scenarios. As long as nobody gets hurt, it's not a big deal. If, if it was deemed unsafe, then, of course, they should be able to practice when the Chiefs aren't over at the Raiders facility, of course.
just their wedding proposals, you know, their marriage proposals. Maybe they do that at practice. <laughs> Dropping down to one knee, Travis Kelsey. All right, so a lot of people out there saying, wait, wait a minute. UNLV has a football team? <laughs> so I don't think it's a big deal. I think this is what happens when you get the NFL media uh, in the same place all week long. And this is the beginning of that week. And this is a story that's been magnified. I, I'm surprised, frankly, that the 49ers have leaned into that and to talk about it being a competitive disadvantage. What practice are they really doing during the week, Dustin? Good point, because I don't think that there's much to be accomplished. You don't want to risk injury. You do want to take every complaint seriously. That's why uh, Roger Goodell had to answer it in the way that he did. I don't know if it's feasible to have them practice at the same facility. It would seem like it would be possible. But, Molly, you know how these Super Bowl weeks, everything is planned months in advance and everything down to the minute practically so logistically it might be a challenge with buses and transportation and whatever the case may be it just seems much ado about nothing I would agree with that and Molly good memory good trivia Jacksonville with 840 miles square miles it is the largest city by landmass in the continental United States oh that's ridiculous <laughs> you asking that question in like 15 years that's the voice of Patrick Mahomes. Adam Schefter told the Pat McAfee show Monday that the growing sense around the league is that the Bears will draft Caleb Williams. Here, here's the issue. There, there are a few issues with this. Um, number one, are the Bears going to be willing to move on from taking Caleb Williams, which I believe seems to be the widespread consensus across the league, that Caleb Williams will be the number one pick? So... That's what Adam Schefter had to say. But is that enough to slow speculation that the commanders adding Cliff Kingsbury to the staff because they're confident they can trade up with the Bears and bring Williams home? So I'm very uh, intrigued by this, and I'm wondering what this seems like a conspiracy theory that Dustin would endorse because to me it seems like a, a bit of a leap. I know it makes sense. There's symmetry because Cliff Kingsbury – coached Caleb Williams at USC and now he's on the staff of the commanders and it is Caleb Williams hometown all those things could be true and certainly Caleb Williams has as much power uh, in this draft as any number one overall draft pick has had in many years but I still don't think it compels the Bears to have to trade him I don't think it compels the Bears to have to trade the pick because Cliff Kingsbury made a career decision to go from Vegas to Washington DC I don't think that you necessarily have to connect the dots, even though they're easy to connect. So I get why the speculation exists. It's a world we live in. But nothing that's happened has changed the reality. The Bears sit here owning the number one overall pick with Caleb Williams, who's becoming the consensus, as we heard from Schefter yesterday, the number one guy who is available in this draft. You put those two things together, get used to number 13 in a Bears uniform, because I don't think he's going anywhere else. It's early, but that is the early read here. No, it does not slow the speculation at all. If anything, it puts gas on the speculation fire. This is not going away until until we see polls trade this pick or not trade this pick or trade Justin Fields. I mean, now he could trade Justin Fields before he was trading the pick, and then we know that he's going to do this. I mean, again, the Bears own the pick. 40, the, the commanders can make all the hires and fires and shenanigans they want to do. That doesn't mean the Bears are just going to genuflect and say, oh, well, you decided to go with Cliff Kingsbury. Go ahead. 
go ahead. Take who? Who would you like? Well, who, who would you like at number two? And we'll we'll step aside and we'll do what you want. I mean, of course, the speculation is going to grow until Justin Fields is no longer part of the Bears. That that's when you're going to know. The longer Justin Fields is a Bear, the longer the question will stand. Well, I, I mean, I I here's my thought. I. I I think Schefter is correct. I think that's what everyone has heard. I think that eventually the Bears will indeed use the number one overall pick on a quarterback, and they will draft Caleb Williams. I think that's what's going to happen. But what is driving me not? Let's tap the brakes on Cliff Kingsbury being Lincoln Riley, okay? They, if you if they had hired Lincoln Riley as their offensive coordinator, I'd be like, oh my god, what do they know? Oh they know everything about the guy. Magic Johnson's involved. I, seriously, <laughs> this, how long was Cliff Kingsbury there for a year, which was the kid's bad year? Right? Didn't he win the Heisman and come back? And he had a questionable year, and no one's sure. We hired Cliff. Come on, people, let's calm down with that one. Eh? Maybe they want the guy. I'm sure they're going to make a call. The other teams will call, too. Apparently, a lot of teams like him. To go to your first question. That's Roger Goodell. Did you marvel at Roger Goodell's extraordinary ability to give seemingly no responses while answering questions yesterday, other than the fact that the Eagles will host the game in Brazil on Friday night of opening weekend? What, if anything, did you learn? Well, I learned that. I mean, that was kind of cool. I, it's my understanding and uh, that that's not going to be the first game of the year. They'll have a Thursday game, right? The Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Fame game, um, but there'll be a Thursday game with whoever won the Super Bowl. Don't the Chiefs open the seasons or, or the Niners whoever against wins, somebody? Usually, right. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. So that'll be on Thursday. Fairness, and, it, may be def- it may depend on the wedding date. Yeah, there you go. And then we got, maybe they'll be married in Japan. Um, do they have drive throughs or they could just do it in Vegas on the way back? Uh, <laughs> Monday morning. Uh, I know a guy who woke up in Vegas and he had married a girl somehow in the middle of the night. And I'm not making this up. And he, uh, he had to scramble around all day to make sure he got that annulled because I believe he had three kids uh, and a wife at home. And any, he just didn't get out much, and Vegas got to him, that kind of deal. we got to get back to that. Oh, it happens. But maybe there are going to be a lot of people getting dry marriages. Uh, okay, so I look at this, and I say to myself, Roger told me there's a game on Thursday, a game on Friday, a game on Saturday, and then a whole day on Sunday, right? We're going to see nothing but football for the opening weekend. I mean, this – I, what you're telling me is that all the new fans and everybody showing up for the game and the great ratings they're getting out of the Super Bowl, they're going to really start in September, whatever, and they'll be phenomenal. Is it September? or, or uh, Yeah, it's September when they start, right? It, it is going to be so much fun to have an opening weekend that includes a game in Brazil. I'm all over it. That's all I learned. Yes, I did learn that Roger Goodell is paid by his bosses, the owners of the NFL, a lot of money to make himself available and then dance around the question. The other, you know, just a a suggestion to the reporters covering that event. 
ask a one part question because every every single person yesterday asked a two or a three part question and that's how Roger never got to answer the question at hand that that was that was the issue in my in my opinion the other thing the one thing he did answer outside of the eagles mully was that he did answer and i mentioned it earlier he did mention about and he pushed back hard defended their position on the practice facility with UNLV and that turf. He did answer that. He did not dance around that. But basically everything else, he danced around. Jared Payton asked a good question. That was a one-parter. Uh, there was another question about Belichick that was a one-parter. But you're right, Dustin. There's all these things at these press conferences that the question becomes about the questioner more than the, the content you're going to get from the guy you're asking. And Goodell, by this stage of being commissioner as long as he has, has become more polished at talking a lot and saying little. And that was the essence of yesterday. He was asked a couple things I thought a little bit more pointedly than I expected. When you say invitation only, you are creating optics that are not good for the league. I don't know why they did that. I think it's probably what you alluded to, Mully. I think it's probably to separate some of the fringe um, media, and I don't say that in any sort of tone, but I think that there are a lot of growing media, and you want to separate legitimate, maybe traditional media from the more non-traditional media. Maybe that's why they did that, because there weren't any questions that were asked that I felt like seemed like plants necessarily. He was asked difficult questions about minority representation with offensive coordinators and with NFL media, and his answers, um, I don't know if they were satisfactory, but I think that he was prepared for those. He was prepared for everything, so he sounded like he had rehearsed this. It did seem very rehearsed. By now, it should be. He makes $63 million representing the owners for a reason, and yesterday, that's, uh, that's what you saw on display. And it did sound exciting about the opening weekend because it sounds like it's going to be football, football, and more football. You want to do your second question, too? You want me to go first? Were you surprised by the number of questions about Taylor Swift directed at Roger Goodell in this invitation-only news conference? Again, did he supply any clarity on her increasing the popularity of the sport? A little surprised that he, maybe I wasn't surprised he was asked. I was surprised at his willingness to go in depth to answer. The economic impact of Taylor Swift on the NFL is undeniable. And the numbers from whatever uh, report you want to cite can back that up from you know, $122 million to the brand enhancement to $331 to the overall impact. Whatever number you want to cite, it's real. Get used to it. I don't understand the politicization of it. It becomes political. Everything does in this country. I don't know why. It's a fun story. He leaned into it. What I did appreciate was Roger Goodell not being that polished, savvy, rehearsed guy and talking about his twin uh, daughters who are maybe in their early 20s, but also are Swifties, and how he is, in fact, a fan of Taylor Swift. And so, look, it doesn't seem like it's something that anyone should get worked up on. People are going to text us and say we're crazy. They're going to call us and tell us we're nuts. But Taylor Swift in the NFL is just uh, an icon with a powerhouse, and the combination has been, I think, very fascinating to watch. And I appreciated the fact that at least Goodell had a few human moments in talking about the Taylor Swift effect on this season. Well, what I found interesting is that one of the, if you want to use the word plant questions by the host of the event was about Taylor Swift, right? I mean, right off the, I mean, they, they, the NFL wanted to get that out there, but towards the end of the press conference, 
he finally got kind of crispy about it and said, like, that's not even worth addressing in regards to a Taylor Swift question and, and stuff. So, uh, yes, I was surprised that that amount of time um, was spent by. And, but I will say I was annoyed at the invitation only idea. But there were questions asked by the invited only members of the media that he clearly did not want to take. Yeah, I, I I would agree with uh, with that. I, I I mean, I get all the pushback. I get people are tired of it, um, but the, it's part of the story of what's going on right now in the NFL. I'm talking about attendance. I'm talking about eyeballs and ratings and the fact that. Whether you like it or not, this is bringing a lot. To, I mean, people don't like her for whatever reason. People, I heard criticism that she was dancing too much during the Grammys, and she won some awards at the Grammys. I, I think people. Celine Dion, the people are upset about that. Oh, yeah. He, you know, Celine Dion is unwell, and, and the poor girl probably didn't know if she could hug her or not. They, they, they hugged afterwards. There were photos. I mean, come on now. Why do, what is everyone getting so bloody worked up about? It, it isn't that much overkill. But it's part of the story, and you're bringing in great television ratings. So knock it off, everyone. Yeah, n- no question. All right, let's move away from the Super Bowl for a moment. What did you make of friend of the show, Sham Sharania, of The Athletic, suggesting the Bulls could make a major deal before Thursday's NBA trade deadline? DeMar DeRozan is the player. They they have him on an expiring deal this year. They've talked about an extension, have not been able to get a deal done. Will there be a contender before Thursday that tries to go get DeMar DeRozan? I, I think the Bulls are going to be open for those calls. We'll see if a deal happens. Would, could, should the Bulls try to pull that off? You know, I, I think they've got to do something. Uh, I, I think that... This has gotten to a point, you know, and 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 uh, Shams, you know, Go Ramblers did a great job of breaking that down. You know, Demar is going to come to an end of his contract here, and you're going to lose him for nothing. And I'm not saying you're going to get anything for him, but maybe just out of respect to the guy, you know, try to get him somewhere. I don't know, but he's his contract is up. So if you're going to keep him, then keep him. But maybe you know, give him another year or have a conversation with him. This team, this this is really bad news about uh, about Zach Levine, and now you got the trade deadline right around the corner. I, I If it were me, I'd try to move the guy. You can't keep this team together the way it is. Now, you can't get, like, two bums and a second-round pick you're not going to get much. Well, I'm, th- that's the question, right? I mean, yeah. he's wh- worth wh- more to you wh- than he right. Was, right. Well, and, and everybody knows the Bulls are, are not doing anything, so it's not like, oh, well, hmm, big tough decision. I, I just, I, I don't see the value in keeping this group together and potent. And this is still potentially, okay, potentially being in the plan, right? There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee this team's going to stay 500. So if you're not going to make the postseason and then you keep all these guys around, I'm for getting some assets, getting some money off the books, and 
and I can't believe I'm saying this, but potentially seeing what it's like building a roster around Zach Levine to start 2024-25 season. Trading when it gets healthy. I mean, that's the thing. You're right, Dustin. The Bulls are in ninth place, and they're clinging to that last play-in spot or flirting with that kind of respectability or 500, but it's not going anywhere. Lonzo Ball practiced with the team on Monday, and all that did was remind everybody about how close they came and what the plan originally was. But that plan has failed, and I think the sooner the Bulls realize that, the better. And by Thursday's trades deadline, that would be a good time to recognize what's going on here, and the answer is not much. Vooch talked about wanting to keep the guys together. They have enough. Enough for what? Enough for what? Play in. What? The play in? That's not the object of the exercise. You've got to start over. Unfortunately, I think it starts with unloading DeMar DeRozan, a proud veteran who can help a contender and hopefully get a ring. Everybody in Chicago would be happy for DeMar DeRozan if he could go somewhere else and win a championship or at least get to the finals. And if they can get something in return, anything, before he walks away for nothing, I think that would be uh, good for the Bulls moving forward because you cannot embrace the status quo yet again. It was a mistake last offseason, and it would be a mistake to do so with the trade deadline. I've answered this question, you know, a lot, obviously. Back on the ice Monday, how should we read into Connor Bedard's NHL All-Star Weekend comments that he is not on a timetable for his return? No timetable set. No specific date. I uh, just got to see how it's looking. But, I mean, I feel good and I feel ready. So, um, if it were up to me, I would have been back. But, uh, of course, you know, got to make sure it's healed and, and make sure you're not risking anything out there. Sergio was back on the 8th of January. Does that suggest he'll be back sooner or later than we've expected? Probably later rather than sooner. After hearing Luke Richardson yesterday talk about Bedard, he's doing slap shots, he's going to be non-contact practices, and he's going to be antsy, and he already is. And I suppose you want to preserve his health. He is the franchise. I hope, I would. I know 10 of the, of the next 11 games for the Hawks are at home. I would love to see him on the ice for one of those. I don't know if that's realistic. I don't even know if that's responsible. But I'm telling you, the Hawks are hard to watch without him. Everybody knows that. So I loved seeing him at the NHL All-Star festivities. I love seeing him at practice. I do think it's going to be a few more weeks, though. And I do think that if I had to look at this from a big-picture standpoint, I do think that's likely the smart play. Yeah, sometimes you have to protect the player from himself. Obviously, you have to love the fact that the guy wants to be out there. You have to love the fact that the guy made it up to Toronto to be part of the festivities. You had to love the fact that he was out there. Uh, There was some video that Charlie Romeliotis put out there of him taking slap shots, right? So you just love the fact that the guy's a grinder and wants to be a Blackhawk. Yeah, and you desperately need him back, David. As you say, they are not an attractive team to watch, but he's a great player to watch. Look, what's the timeline on healing a bone? It's not like he's got like a sprain. It's not like, well, some guys really bounce back from whatever the soft tissue injury is. This is a broken bone. Like, <laughs> can you, and I don't know, how do you rush healing a bone? Well, I'm going to drink a ton of calcium, and uh, he's on his fourth gallon of milk today. There are some problems with uh, trying to eat. I think he's lactose intolerant now. Hey, what What the hell? Why do we want to rush the time? I, I want to see the kid play, but I don't want to see him break his jaw again. I don't want to see him come back with, you know, 
and, and, and we're all kind of talking about, you know, the guy could have been the champ, but he had a glass jaw. No one wants to hear that kind of talk. So let the bone heal. I believe you can check it, and they'll know what the timeline is. And and do not be rushing a, 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 a broken bone like it's, uh, like it's some kind of sprained ankle or something. He's so young. I mean, he's young enough to where he has a broken jaw. He could could have affected his braces. That's how young he he is. <laughs> let him let him rest. Yeah, he's got to heal, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know why that that uh, tickled my funny bone, but we've got the extra point next. It's Mully and Hard Chicago. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio 6-7 to score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 the score. Among the thousands of reports of the Bears quarterback situation come repeated suggestions that as many as four teams are offering second round selections plus. What kind of a deal would work for you? And does that get you close? So are we talking about Justin Fields, the deal for Justin Fields, or the deal to move up in the draft? No, no, the The deal for Fields, and and the idea being that the four teams would all be AFC teams. For for Justin Fields. Those four, for sure. Yeah. And they're they're in the AFC. Right, So you don't have to worry about dealing with them. Well, I don't think I'd worry about dealing with them, even in the NFC. I don't think you're going to trade them to the Vikings. So you're not worried about necessarily the division. Um, for Justin Fields and his value, it will vacillate d- d- depending on on who likes him and depending on what coach you have to coach him. Depending on your infrastructure, I think one of those AFC teams, if were if it were the Las Vegas Raiders, it would shock me because the Luke Getze reunion tour is not going to happen. I don't think it went well in Chicago, so that kind of speculation to me seems senseless. And I saw that kind of circulating a little bit yesterday on social media. I do think that you want to, if you're Ryan Poles. Hold fast for a second-round draft pick. I don't know if you can get it. I don't know if that's going to be too high of a price, only because of this. Number one, this is a deep draft for quarterbacks, and you look at teams, are they going to give up a second-rounder for an unproven starting quarterback? And, yes, I'm sorry. If you're trading Justin Fields, it means you're trading him because he is unproven, and there's some inconsistency issues. And secondly, I think that in free agency, you might be able to get a quarterback who doesn't cost you a draft pick. So I do think a second-round pick is what I would ask for. I'm not convinced as we sit here uh, in early February that the Bears are going to be able to get that. But I do think that's where my asking price would go. And I don't think you're going to get much more than that. You're not going to get the Sam Darnold deal. I think it's just a different draft. It's a different offseason. And I think that's probably asking too much if you're expecting us two, a four, and a six. Over 60 guys took snaps at quarterback last year. Is that right? Right? Isn't mm-hmm. that the number? 60 different guys. It's a position that the NFL can't support. Okay. I will I will admit that this, the ceiling on these three guys today is potentially 
keyword, potentially higher than Justin Fields. That's Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. Those three. You're going to tell me you'd rather have Michael Penix Jr. than Justin Fields? You're going to tell me you'd rather have Bo Nix? You'd rather tell me you'd have J.J. McCarthy? I mean, Justin Fields would be probably the number two pick in this draft if he were available coming out of the Ohio State. I don't think the idea that he could get you a first-round pick if the draft goes poorly for a team because they're that desperate for a quarterback. I mean, Justin Fields has started 30-something games in the NFL, right? I mean, come on, yes. I think a second-round pick is a no-brainer for Justin Fields and a high second-round pick, depending on how things play out, because he's better right now than Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Pratt. I mean, who's Michael Pratt? $5, you can tell me where he went to school. Don't cheat. Yeah, I, I don't think I've gotten to uh, the the draft stuff just yet. I don't know the name of every guy. I don't know. But I'm not going to answer that because I don't want to get Dustin ticked off again. No. Tulane! You know, um, I, I am I right about this? Is Ryan Tannehill older than Kirk Cousins? Because Kirk Cousins is, is 35, right? And, and, and he's probably the best free agent if you wanted to get someone, right? Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, um, Gardner Minshew. They, they, I'm, I'm looking through the free agent list. Um, you want to make a move for somebody rather than than draft someone, as Dustin's suggesting, or figure out um, whether whether you have to trade something or not. It's it's kind of extraordinary when you look at this list. It, you know. Joe Flacco is uh, 39 years old and and played last year and was an important part of Cleveland's season. There aren't enough quarterbacks. You know, uh, uh, there's only a few guys that you'd say maybe try to get, I don't know, Baker Mayfield or Garden Minshew. There aren't a ton of options when you don't have a quarterback. Draft a young one, yeah. But are you handing your season over to him? I think Justin Fields has trade value. And I think that if you're if you're starting with four teams that would be willing to pay a second round pick for him, you know, that that seems like you might be able to get some bartering going on uh on whether or not you can uh jack that price up a little bit. And I I get it. No one's going to give you a first round pick or it's unlikely that you would get a first round pick. But if you got a couple picks, those are players that you know get get a get a, a fourth round pick, you can get a really good player. A sixth round pick, you can get a punter. I mean, there there are ways of kind of manipulating the draft, and if you're going to add stuff with uh, Justin Fields, that's going to help you too. So it's just, I think it's just something you know to contemplate as people are throwing out all these ideas. We talk only about the decision you're making. We don't talk about what other value there could be to it. And I think starting with the second-round pick, pretty good deal. Let's let's talk about this for a second then. Sure. Let, let's look at what – say you are hypothetically the Atlanta Falcons and you use your first-round draft pick and, and you go a different direction, but you do need a quarterback. If you are in the second round, are you more likely to want to, A, trade for Justin Fields with 37 starts – 
for 38 NFL starts that have shown you his potential, but also his limitations. Let's not be uh, let's not be naive here. That's why he's on the market. Or B, instead of drafting Justin Fields, you would take say JJ McCarthy if he's still on the board in the second round. If you're a team that needs a quarterback, which one of those two options are you are you are you thinking looks more attractive? The quarterback with flaws who has starting experience or the untapped potential of somebody who you're starting with a clean slate. My sense is, Mully, and maybe you disagree, most NFL teams, regardless of this, who's involved here, are going to opt for potential over production because starting over represents something that they really embrace more so. And I, I understand why that would be, but this is a 24-year-old. Now, the problem, you know, the problem with guys that uh, – that are, are and I hope that this doesn't happen. I hope there's a team that wants Justin Fields and and goes and gets him and gives up whatever it takes and feels committed to him. But what you don't want is him to turn into Baker Mayfield. You know <laughs> well, what I mean? Honestly, well, first well, overall pick, just bounce around, bounce around, yeah. and he had a good year this year. But he, what? It's kind of nuts. And you know, Kirk Cousins is 35. If you're Atlanta, okay. Draft J.J. McCarthy and sign him, and you get a year or two out of Kirk, and, and that's going to teach the other guy how to play. But I don't know that you're going to win much. Let me ask you this. And I do mean you, the Super Bowl. Do you think that Justin Fields is capable, if the Bears trade him, of going on a Baker Mayfield-like path and ending up with four teams in four years uh, moving forward because he can't quite find a fit, they can't quite find a home, and they don't quite know how to use him? I know he's an NFL quarterback, and I know you'd want him on your roster. And I think that's a really good question, David, as to whether or not he's going to fit what you want to do, whether you can put him in your system or try to help him and build around him. That is a really good question. I think he's going to be in the league a while. I, I think that um, he has like an extraordinary skill. And it, it, it's you're always going to be flirting with uh, can you get consistency out of him. So I, I think he's going to have a career. I don't know how he'll mature and what will happen. I, I like him a lot. I think he's a hardworking guy and a good guy. I, I do too. When, I know we need to get to break, but, but the, the, the last thing on this is that teams to have the, get the best out of Justin Fields almost have to build an offense around him. Yes. And teams lack the patience to do that. Right. So you're going to see as he begins the next phase of his career, and it looks like it could be a post-Chicago phase of that career, there, you're going to need a, a perfect fit. He's going to have to have some football serendipity here because Justin Fields is going to be a difficult guy just to plug and play. You're going to need to build around him to accentuate his strengths, and rarely do you see – a system with an offensive coordinator with the patience to be able to do that. It's a great point. And, I, again, I think that it could work. I really do believe that. I do that. too, yeah. But I think it's more likely that you're going to get into sort of a, you know, have arm, will travel That's type it. thing. That's it. 312-644-6767. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. We have to fish where the fish are. <laughs> Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Cast your nets over the other side of the boat there, Roger. Yeah, well, he was answering a question about Taylor Swift, one of several he received. And also, 
I thought he addressed the Peacock question okay. It's a different platform. They're trying to they're trying to expand that. I, the questions, Molly, I thought were more uh, uncomfortable at times than I expected them to be. And yep. I think that's good. It's a credit to the people in the room. And it wasn't what I expected. I thought it was going to be more uh, spin. There was a lot of that. But they were, they were, it wasn't because he wasn't asked difficult questions. No, it, it was um, it was good to um, it was good to watch it. I enjoyed watching it, and I, you know, I gotta tell you, he does an extraordinary job of not answering and leaving you with information that doesn't actually. He has a really good um, technique of response, but not <laughs> answer. You know what I mean? Like he really pulls that off, uh, he, but he always has. He's good at that. His dad was a U.S. senator, and he could be one. I mean, he's polished like a sure in terms of the the oratory skills. He is political, uh, and that is one of the I think skills of the job. You need to be able to talk a lot and say very little. And yesterday was an example of that. I did like the fact that he was asked about a lot of the things that he typically annually is asked about. I don't know about the answers. I don't know about. You know, the one thing that I felt like was is a little short-sighted by the NFL. Jim Trotter has, you know, we both know Jim Trotter. It's a longtime NFL uh, reporter, and he has a lawsuit against the league. And he asked a question last year that made Roger Goodell very uncomfortable, and it was about the representation of minorities in the NFL media newsroom. And the numbers are still the numbers, and there's right. still a, a disparity and a problem there. I would have thought in the year since that happened – that there would have been a more aggressive initiative to make it different. So he wasn't asked again a year later and the answer be as embarrassing as it was. And and if you're if you're having issues with someone because of what they asked you, maybe don't open yourself up to that sort of criticism the next year by just banning the guy. Because someone else can ask the same question. And that's what happened. Exactly. Yeah. That and someone's yeah. gonna ask it because it is relevant. It is important. And um, it was uh, it was newsworthy, and so there was a lot of things to ask. He also was asked about Chicago. How about that? Our guy Jarrett Payton got up yep. to the podium. I thought they had a little bit of a moment, and and this was uh, this was Jarrett Payton and Roger Goodell Monday in Vegas. The Bears are looking to build a new enclosed stadium in Chicagoland. How important is that to the league, and could that lead to a Super Bowl in the future? I think it's important to the Chicago Bears, their fans. I think it's also important to that community. I think, as we have seen here, a great stadium can host additional events. I think that's true in Chicago. I think the, the Dome Stadium that they're talking about, both downtown and also potentially in Arlington, I think those are both great opportunities that they need to explore. The good news is they've got quite a bit of time on their lease. The Bears are committed to being in Chicagoland. I talked to the mayor of Chicago recently. He wants them in the city. Arlington wants it out in Arlington. I think they'll be able to develop a proposal that will be good for the fans, but I also think it'll be great for Chicago. Hmm. Wow. That is some dynamite stuff there, huh? Can you believe he said that? (laughs) Yeah, the fans would love a new stadium. The Dome, like if you built a stadium like they have in Vegas – you get big games all the time. Events. Okay. Are you using that as an example of him saying I, a lot without saying much it, at all? Nothing there, David. Nothing there. 
You you know what I heard there? I heard him say, oh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, you know, uh, sleight of hand uh, moving around of of some of the cards and see if you can spot the ace. And, uh, by the way, don't forget about Arlington Heights because they're going to end up there. Right. That's what I heard him say. Arlington. Yeah, Arlington. Arlington. I'm helping him. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he meant the cemetery. I don't know what the hell he was saying. No, I don't think he – But here's the thing, Arlington, Texas. He did did refer to a dome stadium in both places. Yes, he did. I don't know if that's, like, something that people still doubt or question. But if you did, I think that when we talk about wherever the Bears plan to build – we need to think about this, and that to me, okay, you're right. He didn't say a lot that was newsworthy or noteworthy, but him acknowledging the fact that there will be a dome, whether it's in Arlington or in the South Lot, it's yeah. going to be a dome stadium and structure that allows the Bears the opportunity to host a Super Bowl in Chicago he, and he other things. to the mayor. Well, I didn't know that. That's news. I don't think it was like a formal, hey, uh, Roger, we'd love to have the stadium. Oh, yeah, it'd be great to have it. I, I don't think that Listen, there was. Listen, don't you think Brandon Johnson talking to Roger Goodell's news? That's a headline. That's a headline. Right? I, I, no. No, it's not. Until Why not? We fight. Because what did they talk about? I don't he, know. He wants them to build a stadium downtown. That's basically what the guy said. Here's the thing, though. The people of Chicago want, want it and will love having a new stadium. Molly, this is how it works, so you know this. Roger Goodell says at his news conference, I talked to the mayor of Chicago. At the mayor of Chicago's next news conference, what did you guys discuss? And this is the way it goes. Yeah. I want to know what he I want to know what they talked I, about. Can I tell you what I believe is going on here? Okay. There was a story yesterday about how the the commissioner or whatever in Arlington Heights will have resolution soon as to yes. what the tax money is. Yes. All right. Yeah. So depending on what happens there, the Bears will start building their stadium in Arlington Heights. If if that money is lowered to a point that they like and they've made it known what they want and it's about whatever, 40, they're 60 million apart, let's say. And if that goes in the Bears' favors, they'll, in their favor, they'll start building their stadium. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you know, the, they're, they're, oh, they're looking at sites in the parking lot. Oh, they're contemplating it. Have you seen the drawings that – I, I got to tell you, I, I love I love that everybody is reporting on the story and trying to be first and all that stuff. That felt like the Bears are using the city of Chicago. Of as course a way they are. To, that's all that's of, going Molly, on. And but, and Goodell mentioning a dome. I guess yeah, that's news. If you wanna, he's basically saying if you want a Super Bowl, build a dome. Molly, of course they are. This is the way it works. We all know this. But the, the commissioner of the NFL having a conversation with the mayor of Chicago represents a kind of leverage play, the leverage perception that the Bears need. And okay. That, I, just, and, and I'm not arguing that, but, I mean, did he have the conversation I, at the season finale or something? I, I don't Where know. Where did he have the conversation? And, and was it, you know, what's a conversation? Did he do a deep dive with the mayor about what the money would look like? I mean, I'm just good, saying. Good, 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 good questions. Well, it's fair questions. But look, on the heels of a report that made news in Chicago about the Bears focusing on staying in the city, then you have the commissioner saying 
acknowledging that he spoke to the mayor of Chicago. He's not talking about talking to the Arlington Heights mayor, right? So I'm just saying this is creating the perception. We know how perception is. We know how spin it, how it works. I'm just saying that there was maybe, I don't want to say a purposeful um, mention of that, but it was a reminder that, okay, they're having conversations about staying in Chicago. If they weren't, then he wouldn't be talking to Brandon Johnson. 312-644-6767. It's Molly and Haw on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.